Hey, caffeinators. Welcome to the Vet Tech Cafe. The Vet Tech Cafe is a podcast centered around veterinary technicians and nurses, hosted by myself, Dave Cowan, and my good friend, Jeff Backus. We strive to discuss current issues facing our profession and give our colleagues a voice and a medium to enter into these discussions. Our guests are experts in the veterinary field that we hope can help our listeners work towards dealing with these issues, as well as coming up with solutions that can lead to change. If you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on the Vet Tech Cafe, please contact us at vettechcafe at gmail.com, or you can find us at our website, vettechcafe.com. One thing we would ask of you, our listeners, is to rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. We're not exactly sure how or why this helps us, but apparently it does. So without further ado, come on in, grab yourself a cup of coffee, and get ready for another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe. Today's episode of the Vet Tech Cafe is brought to you by Gurnick Academy. Hello, caffeinators. Welcome to another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe, where the Wi-Fi password is Vet Techs are amazing, all lowercase. We would like to thank all of our caffeinators for continuing to tune in and purchasing our merchandise and, and wearing it. It's been super cool. And, and to our Patreons, thank you very, very much for your support and just for listening and subscribing and continuing to download all of our episodes and subscribing to all of our channels. If you're new to the Vet Tech Cafe, if this is your first time you're here, um, definitely head over to vettechcafe.com. Um, you'll see some about Dave and I info and some cool quotes from guests and posts and different things. So definitely check out our website and be sure to like, subscribe, and follow us on all of our channels. Dave, how's it going out there? What's what's new? What's going on? Uh, things are good out here. It's October. You know, as we were just saying before we started recording, busy month, but what month mm-hmm. is not busy? Um, right. <laughs> I, <laughs> I've been I've been trying very hard to make hashtag non-vet day a thing. I, I, I was successful last week. Uh, hopefully I'm going to be successful this week as well. Kind of a lighter week doing some admin work for my job. So not so much of working on the floor like I was last week. Last week was a little rough because mm. I was there four days. And uh, guys, I am I am old and I can't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, but hopefully this week will be a little bit easier. How are things going out there? Uh, it's good. You know, it's it's fall-ish, I guess, but still really warm. Um, we had a, a, speaking of non-vet days, we had a virtual retreat at work last week one day in, in my group, we were just talking about different ways of, of interaction and, you know, work-life balance and different things. And I was talking about, you know, non-vet days and, yeah, uh, you know, how, how it's, <laughs> the more connected you are or the more you do in veterinary medicine, the harder it is to get away from all yes. of it. But for the one day, it seems like that we can do it here and there. It actually, at least for me, it really, really, really does help. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's still a struggle for me. I, I, I have that guilt of like in the back of my mind, it's always like, oh, I've got X, Y, Z, A, B, C, D, E, yeah. F, G to yeah, do. Yeah, I know. There's these things coming or. Yeah. yeah. But Robin's yeah. been Anyhow. helping me. She's like, what What are we doing on your day off? Because we need to do something. Because <laughs> she knows that if I'm right. not doing something, the work stuff, the vet stuff creeps in. And um, we, we were very good last week about making sure that I had a non-vet day. Yeah. Good. Good deal. Good. Well, I would say let's uh, let's go ahead and get on into today's episode. Yeah. This is going to be a lot of fun. Um, we have another uh, repeat guest. So you guys <laughs> probably remember our 2021 episode in which we talked to Becky Mosser, RVT, about the veterinary industry giving tree. That was about a year ago, I believe. Yeah, it was around um, November, I also, think, yeah. 
Yeah. And she also co-hosts the Veterinary Viewfinder podcast with Dr. Ernie Ward. If you're not familiar with that, definitely check it out. And we'll check in on, on Veterinary Industry Giving Tree as, as, of course, the holiday season is rapidly approaching. But the focus of today's episode is actually going to be veterinary technician education. And you may remember when we introduced her last time, we talked some about the Gurnick Academy that uh, she was working with and, and kind of a new vet tech program. So we're going to kind of focus on the Academy and their program and just kind of talk about vet tech education because I feel like there's a lot to talk about that isn't getting talked about that needs to kind of be fixed. Talking about this with somebody in education, I think we're going to have some some really good ideas. So Becky, uh, before we get started, what can we get you for a coffee, caffeinated beverage? What can we get you? Okay, so I'm going to go with the the tried and true hazelnut latte. I'm mm. not gonna. I'm not picking a side, guys. I'm going neutral in the pumpkin spice <laughs> situation. Like Very diplomatic, <laughs> as as much as I can be. Uh, yeah, but I am. I'm. A, I'm a hazelnut junkie. So pretty much anything mm. hazelnut's my jam. So I'm gonna go with it. And I think at this time of year, you can go ahead and make it a hot latte. Uh, I'm moving from my ice to my hot. Okay. It's getting cold. All right. All right. Coming right up. Um, so, you know, let's just jump right in and veterinary technician education. So I, I'm alternate route from California. Dave did an alternate path to, to licensure as well, although he taught at a, um, an AVMA accredited program for a while. Uh, what's your, what, first off, what's your education history? What did you do to, to become RBT? Did you do traditional two-year AVMA? Yeah. Yeah. So I graduated okay. from uh, Central Carolina Community College in, in here in Sanford, North Carolina, Back in 2007. So I'm, I am traditional <laughs> is maybe the only <laughs> sense um, of the word, but yeah. So okay. I went the traditional okay. path. Okay. And we'll get to, we're going to talk a lot about Gurnick and, and that program. And so kind of seeing how that's developing, like, what are you seeing in, in first off in, in veterinary technician education? Let's just kind of jump in with, you know, what do you like about maybe what's required? What's, what's wrong with it? What do you hope to do? Do do a little bit differently with Gurnick. Let's yeah. start there. You know, it's it's this has literally been my dream program. Uh, working all the way through, being like, hey, if well, I, you know, if I was going to build a program, I'd want to do this or that. And they're like, yep, that sounds good. And and so I fell in love with the college because they're truly dedicated to student success. And I think that that's kind of the number one thing I've seen. I think all colleges are trying to do okay. I think all vet tech programs are trying to do great. But when we look at administration and the support that they have, a lot of times it's numbers over graduates and, mm -hmm. and passing the VTE and successfully being placed in a job. And I think that's the biggest thing that fear that I have a fear of for for our programs is seeing colleges with with really low VTE pass rates where students have poured money and time and energy into yeah, and, and not been able to sure. leave with the tools that they needed. And so what what are you going to do different to, to help change that? Magic. <laughs> I can like, don't, no, you know, it's Halloween. It's spooky season. I'm going, yeah, it's, yeah, I, no, it's right? time to like, let everyone know. Love it. I'm practicing with, with the with the with the craft. No, you know the thing about it is, is I think one of the most important things I can try to do in my program is individualized education. So you know, I think one thing that we see is just blanket, especially in an online program. It's going to be really important to to touch base and and to be dedicated to each student individually, make sure that they have the tools that they need to be successful. 
I, I can remember from a really, really little kid seeing a comic that was like what it was. It was about standardized testing, you know, and it was like a tree and the tree was a standardized test and it had a line of animals and all each animal was a student, you know, and it was like goldfish can't climb trees, but it doesn't mean that they're outsta- not outstanding students or outstanding at, at other things. So hmm. being dedicated to making sure that each student is successful because they have what they specifically need is is really, really important to me. And then the other thing I think is just conceptual learning. I see a lot of rote memorization in education where we move through things so quickly or we just teach it in a way that we memorize as opposed to a true concept. And I think that makes or breaks us on the VTNE anymore hmm. because I think it's written really conceptually. And I, I've seen that, you know, when I was a when I was teaching at, at my school, trying to like building student success and realizing that everybody learns things differently. Even I mean, even Jeff and I and and probably you, Becky, we probably learned the exact same thing, mm-hmm. probably three different ways. And I I think you know that like you said that blanket memorization is is not helpful because what happens with that the three of us yeah who remembers yeah. anything right. about large animals right i remember right. all my large animal friends Nothing, phone because numbers. we memorized it and <laughs> we forgot it <laughs> yeah, there you go yeah <laughs> yeah but i, I I've, I've always thought that like yeah. understanding the why of why things work the way that they do i, I think it, it makes it make sense and makes it more logical and i, I think that'll Hopefully that's going to make things easier for passing the VTNE, I would think. I hope. I think, you know, again, I think you can think through things when you have the baseline logic. Like, okay, I don't know anything about this, but what I do know is A, B, C, and D. And I think that's truly how the VTNE has gone over the years in their questions. And, and, and honestly, I think it's just what makes us better in our job is is being conceptual because there's no way to learn every single thing that they're going to encounter. So we need to teach them how to be able to work through the problems and how to be able to think through what they know and feel confident in what they know. So, you know, it's a big challenge because I respect my, I respect everyone's time, but I'll respect my students' time and I respect education more than anything. Like it, this is the idea of putting people out into my profession means they have to meet the standard that I feel for our profession, which is incredibly high. And I'm really honored to work with students, to be honest with you, and with people who want to teach students because it's a huge trust, right? Like, it's a huge trust. We we, we They come mm-hmm. in, they say, I don't know this, and I'm trusting you to teach me everything I need to know to be successful outside of right. here. And that, whew, that's a big for responsibility. For sure, for sure. It, you talked in there about, you know, the the individuality and, and what individual students need. I remember when I was teaching, I, I taught at the school I went through, which again was an alternate route program. And for a while it was purchased by Heritage College before they went defunct. And they had a couple of campuses that were two-year AVMA program. But of course we were the alternate route, but some of the, the education they gave us to teach our students was like basically how to reach adult learners. And I didn't really realize that that was actually, I guess, a thing you could say, like that, that you had to to teach a different way and that you couldn't just like you're saying, like just put all the information out there and expect everybody to make it stick. Like you had to reach people different ways. And, and, you know, in, in the medical math class, it was doing the same calculation three different ways so that different people could grasp it. And that's a, that's a big, big, big deal to have that pattern where you can like reach students on an individual level and, and make sure that you're not just teaching it one way and expecting them to just figure it out on that one way. Yeah, you make a good point, right? So we all learn differently because of our brains. 
But then there's these generational differences. The first time I ever was teaching in a classroom, my youngest student was 18, fresh out of high school. My oldest was 55. She was retired from IBM and and entering her second career. Um, And it was like, (laughs) how do I teach this content Mm -hmm. to to people, not just across their different learning platforms, but against the the ability to learn? So, yeah, there's several factors involved there. And it makes, you know, it's communication is so key. It's so important. And and again, I think it's one thing that we do really well in our online program at Gurnick is we keep small teacher to student ratios in classes so that it isn't like 100 students to figure out how they learn and give them that one-on-one plus in, a, in an online environment. We keep it, you know, 25 or so students to one so that You do know who your students are and how they learn. I want to say I understand the real world is a real world, right? Like not everyone's going to cater everything to anyone and am I giving them tools, right? But I want to say that it is the same tool, but if you're left-handed, I'm going to teach you one way. And if you're right-handed, I'm going to teach you another. You know what I mean? So I am still going to give you the same tools, but I have to help you figure out how to make it work kind of thing. Right, right. For sure. For sure. Is there a screening process like... I, I know there's there's got to be ways to, to figure out how people learn and what's, what's going to be best for them. Is there a way that you guys are using pre-selection of saying this person learns this type of way and these other three people learn that type of way? So we're going to lump these people together with one teacher or is that kind of a figure out figure it out how you go? Yeah, I like in the in I would love to say that one day we'll be big enough and have enough instructors to be able to. To put that all together that way, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, understanding our students better from a personality and learning for our students to help better understand themselves and and the people that they're with, there will be you know some of those fun assessments and things as part of introduction courses. Certainly, nothing from a yeah, pre yeah. standpoint, just because obviously there would be no bias on how someone learns. But within within sure. getting to know our students who we have, it'd be part of the, that process and helping them understand how they learn, right? Because that's the other thing is I don't even want to assume my students come in knowing how to study, how to learn, how to take tests, because I, what I've learned mm-hmm. is they don't. I, they, they, you can't right. count on them learning that previously. I, I wouldn't be able to put my, my own learning path into a box to say, this is how I learn. This is what I need. They do. And I think what we all kind of find is we all learn more than one way, right? So there is, most people learn by Mm -hmm. doing, hearing, and seeing. So you kind of need a combination of all of that to really, truly learn. And, And I think that's kind of the beauty, to be honest, of what we can do with the online programs now is we can create a way to lecture about it, to show it on a video, to give them a practice tool, and for them to kind of consume at their pace the way that they need to. And now there's so much more technology. You know, I was looking at a a program the other day for anatomy that just, it just skins everything. You can look at every muscle and every angle and peel back things. And I was thinking to myself, like, this would have been so cool when I was in school. Mm -hmm. I would have much preferred this over literally skinning a cat (laughs) and that being the only body system that I got to see that way. So, I mean... You know, I think it's it's about getting to know them early on, but also facilitating their ability to know themselves because uh, you can't assume that they come in with that either. For sure. Um, I think you said in there, so Gurnick is going to be remote, correct? It's going to be online or is, does it have like a brick and mortar location where students will go? So our, our vet tech program is completely online. Okay. Gurnick Academy does have multiple locations 
that are brick and brick and mortar. Um, but they're based out of California, right? And so, okay. um, but our program is all online. Students will go to clinical sites and do externships as okay. well. So there will be hands-on to supplement their didactic learning. However, the entire sure. grading system is through online, and that's what makes it online versus hybrid. Ah, interesting. Interesting. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. And so this will solely be a two-year AVMA accredited program. You guys don't have like an alternate route or anything like that. Is that right? We don't have any alternate routes. And um, I can't say anything about the AVMA accreditation because they don't let you say anything about it in the sense of like, I have submitted the application. I am not implying that we will get approved. I'm not, you know, so they make it very. But so um, we're going through those motions. uh, That is the goal. (laughs) That is the goal. That is the that is the end goal. Yes, that's the the rocky dance at the top of the stairs for us. (laughs) But but yeah, and we are accredited by a couple other governing bodies, including ABHAS um, and then some uh, California or, or other state accrediting bodies. We, as the online program, accept students from California, New Jersey, Michigan, Florida, and Arizona right now. Okay. And we are working on other states. We'll continue to expand. A lot of people don't realize that, that um, for online programs, you actually have to get accredited in every single state you want to teach in. There's no, like, blanket accreditation that's just like... I oh, had, I, I, I want that. I want that national wow. one. So yeah, you have to go through every state. So um, the the folks at Gurnick Academy are working incredibly hard. We have an amazing group that is in our compliance department <laughs> that mm, keeps mm-hmm. us that 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 goes line by line for every single one of those states to figure out what the requirements and the applications are. So my gosh, I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah, was it's crazy. Wow. I mean, you, know, you just think, wow. oh, you just feel out I mean, of I guess it makes sense, but because I'm sure there's a lot of different. Yeah, just like our licenses, a lot of state to state variability in, right. in terms of requirements or things. And I just I never would have even thought of that. It's wild, right? Yes. Are you going through every state or are you just going through the ones that you're getting applications? from? Nope. We'll go through every state that the college, you know, eventually wow. the plan would be to be accredited because we do have other programs that are online. And so we are working on expanding that online campus. And so having the college accredited in these states will just it'll just aid in the growth of the, the college. Gurnick Academy is growing. You know, it was a very humble beginning of just one program. And um, they have such a strong passion for education. It's the same thing. It's like, oh, well, we could we could do this program. We could do it really well. And we could do this program and do it really well. So we are all medical arts driven. So all of our programs are in the <laughs> medical health field. But growth is is a big thing for us right now and a really exciting time. We are the first vet tech college at Gurnick. So it's been a lot of fun to be kind of the vet folks. Ah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And I, I know you said the, um, you know, you listed off a few states where you have applicants. Are, are you also, I don't know if this is a legal thing, but are you able to be international as well? Yeah. So there's definitely, we've talked about it. There's definitely international possibilities. And I think that we do, we have the ability to do that. Absolutely. Whether that'll happen or not, I would love okay. that, you know, personally. From a from a teaching standpoint, you know, I think about sometimes it's good to do less things really well and then mm-hmm. more things kind of okay. And so I have a lot to learn about international yeah, veterinary yeah. technician laws and regulatory to know really mm-hmm. what the demand is for formal education. But I want 
to literally tell everyone about being a vet tech always. So if if there's anyone out there who wants to be a vet tech, like I want to make them one. So we're, we're going to continue to look for as many ways as possible. Yeah. And, you know, that it continues in my head pursuing the possibility of a part-time program. I think there's a potential demand for people to go over four years and be able to do it part-time. You know, there's bachelor programs popping up. We just started our first master's um, of nursing. I believe they're fully online. I don't quote me, but we have a master's of nursing program that's just started. So higher education, you know, the sky's the limit, it seems like right now with Gurnick. I'm pursuing my yeah. master's degree right now and threatening to get my PhD so that we can, <laughs> you know, continue to pursue the same things. Who are you of, threatening? Of, Offer my husband. <laughs> um, yeah, my husband. So you know, it's um, it, it it's a thing where I I just like I I get so passionate about education. It's just like to me, I want to do as much of it as we can, but we want to continue to do it really well. And and where the demand is is make sure we're meeting that need because you guys know there's a huge need for technicians, but for also sure. for higher education. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, I guess one question I have, again, I go back to the program I went through that I taught at because it's all I really know. Like, I felt we were really weak in, you know, large animal and, and as alternate route, like we, we had less education component requirement because so much of that was based on, on already having a lot of hours in clinics. So, you know, one thing I wish we could do better was large animal medicine and just exposing students to other species that are, of course, they're going to be tested on on the VTNE, but also just other avenues of the profession. Dave, that's kind of part of the whole reason we do this podcast. Right. <laughs> and, but, you know, there's there's so much more out there and not just from an education and taking the VTNE, but other avenues that are also out there. So I'm curious about your curriculum. I mean, I know there's things you have to follow in terms of requirements and courses and things of that sort, but talk about that a little bit and, and like the well-roundedness of it and, and what you like about that, maybe that aspect. Yeah, I think, again, this is an area where building my dream program has been really fun because you're right. I think a lot of programs are um, not very strong in large animal because the interest isn't out there. So the experience isn't out there. It's hard to find a large animal technician to go work with horses, let alone to come work at a mm -hmm. school and teach and not work with horses and to teach one class one semester, you know, like <laughs> yeah. to get there. It's that's my a great moment. Point. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's that's a hard thing to do. So um to be fair, first and foremost, we've got Dr. Joe Minacucci, who is a large animal veterinarian. He works primarily primarily with bovines. And I was really excited to add him to my team because he's got such passion for large animal, especially bovine. And um that makes me really, really happy. So we do have a staff-based focus. We do have the course, of course, all the required courses. <laughs> like a course of horse, of course, of course. <laughs> um, all, all the required things from CBTEA. But I think the one thing I can say that I have built into the program that makes me feel really proud and, and makes our program, I think, a good asset for technicians to learn about the different areas of the field is that each of our externships, we have externships split up into small chunks. So they do shelter medicine, general practice, emergency, specialty, and then they have a rotation of their choice. So if that is a large animal rotation for them and they want to spend the extra time outside of the clinical hours doing a full-on large animal externship, they can use those 80 hours for that. But 
if they're really into research or aquatics or zoo medicine or, you know, rabbits or birds or just something else, they can take that time. If they really had a great time at emergency and they want to go back and dive in, they can do that. It gives, and if they really like shelter medicine and they really want to go back and work time, more time in a shelter because they feel good about that. I've probably given enough examples that you get the point. It's just really exciting <laughs> to me that they yeah. get that autonomy and that they are um, semi-forced to, because like I, I look at a lot of these other programs where, you know, I see the skills the externships, the clinicals, everything being done at the same clinic, and it's a clinic that they work at, and potentially the clinic who has financial investment in them graduating. And I don't know. I don't want that for my students. I want them to go and see that there are a million ways to do any one thing and that there's going to be different types of people and different types of clients. And um, you, we got to get out of our comfort shells a little bit, and we're not always the best at that on our own. I want them to have that exposure and the time and the excuse, right, to to spend that time with those different species. So I think especially in – because, like, you think of these seeded programs where you get somebody to just come in with a bird and do the bird lab and then they get the hands-on bird day or whatever. We we potentially miss that opportunity in online programs, I think, where we don't get them exposed to these different departments just – they go and spend a day and knock out their skills. We're so much more than that. And like you said, potentially they'll have to hear about it on the VT&E or get asked about it. So the, the time and the exposure to the environment is important. And, well, and, and also, you know, you said knock out their skills. And, and I don't think you can. I mean, I mean, especially giving the example of birds, you, you can't learn all your quote unquote and I'm using air quotes, uh, your bird skills in one day on one, one one class. You know, you need constant exposure to that. And I think that's great that you you kind of force them into yeah. being exposed to new things. I, I've seen it happen all the time where you've got uh, an RVT that comes out of school and they, you know, they get their school learning and then they get their one clinic that they work at for, for 10 years and they never leave that. It's almost like that's never right. leaving your hometown, right? Where you just learn what's in your hometown. You don't learn anything else outside of that. I think that's great that you 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 have have them do that. And and just thinking about your instructors, are are you pulling them all from? They must be from all different regions of the country as well. Well, yeah, it's like I feel like I've put together a team of amazing, fun people to hang out with, and then I get to work with them, and <laughs> I'm really excited about that. And again, I think that's yeah. part of the fun of online learning. And I've also managed to. Over the few years of of my time in this profession, accumulate uh, relationships with some incredibly smart, fun people, two of whom I'm looking at, who travel around the nation, who talk on education, who are really smart. And so, like, I have the opportunity to tap into that in a way that um, a lot of folks don't. So most of my friends don't know it, but they'll be teaching uh, at least a course or two in their area of expertise. And (laughs) and then, yeah, our staff and our team. So Joe Minacucci is in Colorado. Uh, We've got Nancy Turner. She's in uh, Texas. And then our newest team member, Katie Samuda, is our clinical coordinator, and she is out of Pennsylvania. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Nice. When is the uh, appli- like application deadline? Uh, when when does the first cohort start? Like where? What's your what's your timeline? Oh my gosh, we start in January, so January 9th is our first start date. It's creeping wow. up right oh, around wow. the corner. And honestly, I'll be honest with you, application deadlines are usually like two weeks out, but. There's no like we're not going to turn students away if we can sure. get them a seat right up to the 11th sure. hour because we want them in the program. We want them to be getting the education. We know 
we're building a program that's going, you know, I think one thing that's really important for online programs is to create a feeling of an alma mater. I want students to say, like, I went to Gurnick, I graduated the class of 2024, we were the first class, like, I want them to be really proud of it and have that feeling of a, of a class. And so we will take at students as long as we can get them in seats and educate them. As long as we can. My admissions team is probably like, no, no. <laughs> but, you know, we will do everything we can to get right. them in right at, the, like I said, at that 11th hour. Gotcha. But the sooner cool. the better, guys. <laughs> yeah, for sure, right? And, <laughs> Let and, us know you're coming at least. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, and how big is your first cohort? So we, we, we again, we keep that 24 to 1 ratio. So our first cohort will be 24 seats. Okay. If we have a huge rush of students, this podcast is going to go out, right? And then thousands and thousands of people are going <laughs> to come of luck. knocking at my door. <laughs> That's what I want. Well, then we can, we have the ability to multiply the cohort ah. to break it up with instructors. So we plan for one cohort this semester. Okay. We, we have intentions to start two cohorts a year, so there would be the opportunity to start again a second time of the year. Though ideally, we'll start a fall and a cool. spring class cool. every year. And then, like, for the students in – like, I, so I've, I've never done any distance learning, so, so talk to me like I don't know anything about this. Like, how does it – look like do they like log in and, and actually attend a lecture at a specific day and time and then they can you know have assignments or still do or is it more of like go at your own pace and you're watching recorded lectures like what does that kind of look like i mean it's a really good question jeff and the reason is is because different programs do it different ways okay our program is asynchronous and so what that means is for for our program what that means is you start the semester, this day, and the semester, this day, you get new assignments every week, but you complete those assignments at your pace. You do the content at your pace, but it does have a due date and a deadline, obviously, with whatever that that professor sets. There's no specific time that you have to be in class, like uh, Thursdays at four o'clock, I have to be logged on watching this. However, our instructors do set up opportunities to do live interactions. So because it oh, is okay. a possibility and because... You know, it's so funny because like pre-COVID, you guys know we were doing this kind of stuff pre-COVID all the time, you, you know, co collaborating because yeah. we are such a small community across the world. But boy, have the tools mm -hmm. gotten better for us because of COVID. So now, you know, we know we can get yeah. students in and more comfortable being on these calls. Um, so there'll be opportunities to do live interactions for sure. But nothing is required live. I think that's really important because my target student is somebody who's probably already in this profession and who has to work yeah. and just doesn't have the ability to go to school Monday through Friday from right. nine to three and the assignments and the externships and, and everything else has to be done. We want to work with that student who knows that they have a passion for the profession, who wants to be in the profession and needs the flexibility, but also the motivation to do it. There are some programs that it's like your semester just as includes checking off these items and you kind of do it as you do it. Uh, we it, we sometimes sure, need a little more sure. motivation than that to to get things done. I'm, I can't imagine taking that long from my first course to the VTNE and thinking having to think back on everything I've learned. I want my I want my students to get through in a way that they we can get them through and get them passing that test. Gotcha, cool. Well, before we keep going, why don't we uh, take a little break here and we'll pay some yeah. bills. All right, and then we'll be back after the break. Gurnick Academy now offers an associate's degree in veterinary medical technology online in as little as two years. Classes are enrolling now. Register today at gurnick.edu slash contact. That's G-U-R-N-I-C-K dot 
edu forward slash contact. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Vet Tech Cafe, the cafe that never closes. We are open 24-7. <laughs> uh, however, late at night, it might be self-serve. Um, so, so uh, Becky, we always like to ask our, our, our guests, and I believe we asked you this last time, is how do you manage your mental health? How do you how do you get away from vet med? I know with everything you're doing right now, it must be hard to get away from from work. Um, so how do you do that? You know, it's funny. I really like what you were talking about, about no, I didn't know what you were talking about when you started talking about it until like, I was, I was like, no, that makes perfect sense because that's exactly it. I, I had a friend in the veterinary space say to me that I needed friends mm. outside of the vet world that don't know who I do or who I am or, yeah. you know, have never heard my name and really could care less what it is or means and prefer I don't talk about work, you know, and I've done that. I've cultivated friendships with with and activities. If you guys know me on social media, you know, probably know I ride my motorcycle a lot and my husband rides as well. And we're, um, mm -hmm. we ride with the Combat Vet Motorcycle Association. And they're all people who, who literally don't care what I do for a living, don't want to talk about work, you know, <laughs> fully support anything I, I want to tell them, I guess. But like, it's been, it's great. And, you know, motorcycle um, riding is what I call active meditation. So, I think the most important tip I give people about mental health is like find your active meditation. Don't think that brain rest is a matter of like sitting around and like oming your way to mental health. It's it's truly like what's the thing that your brain feels rested after you do because you're so focused on it. And like maybe it's knitting, maybe it's painting, maybe it's kayaking, maybe yeah. it's race car driving. I don't know. But like it's something that when you're doing it, it's all consuming and and get out of that vet med space a little bit. Don't make it define you so much because we need we need to blow off some steam in other places awesome uh so getting back to Gurnick, so you had you had said that i think the plan was for for two cohort co i have such a hard time saying cohort two cohorts a year <laughs> and, but you had the the possibility you know if if you got a lot more students you could kind of branch those out and and kind of have multiples at once is that a goal to have you know more than that and, and be able to have some some additional things kind of going on simultaneously or is it more like like you were saying earlier you know about wanting to do a couple of things really well as opposed to, to doing a whole lot just okay I, I can see sometimes i think some programs they get so big it kind of gets diluted out a little bit and it's it's hard to to, to then give that individuality so I, I imagine that's a really fine line to walk in some ways oh yeah well so like i was saying when i say we have a 25 or 24 to 1 student ratio that's a college policy in saying that basically if i bring any more students in than that i have to have a whole nother cohort or another okay. instructor and so they keep it in a way that th that individualism continues. Basically, I want classes of like 300 because I want to be pumping amazing veterinary technicians out there to the point where people are like, okay, phew, we're running out of vet tech jobs. <laughs> like I want to flood the market because I don't believe, right, like we'll ever run out of jobs. But um, I, I guess what I'm saying is like as long as I can continue to do it well. And it's really funny. Because we talk about this vet tech shortage, right? And there's no vet techs. Well, I had 80 plus applicants for my online teaching program. And so I argue there are plenty of veterinary technicians wow. out there that mm -hmm. want really good jobs with flexibility and autonomy and pay and benefits, which this position was. And so I know that I have the ability to hire as many teachers as, and instructors as I need to teach as many students as are willing to sit and learn. 
So um, my goal is to have big, huge, giant cohorts and Guernick be a household and national name in veterinary technician education. I have big plans for supplemental things that we could do in the space. You know, we're a medical health arts college. I want to bring all of the programs together. Like I want our ultrasound program to come in and start ultrasound and pups and have like some crossover days. So I've got big plans. But again, my big plans are all within the realm of really high pass rates on the VTE, strong graduation and job placement rates. For sure. Because it's first for sure. and foremost. I, you know, I know too, when I when I went through the program that I went through, again, it was alternate route. So I think that the idea was you were already, you know, established in the field. You already had, you know, a couple of years experience, what have you. But one thing we, we didn't learn as students in that program was like, we were not prepared for, you know, how to write a resume, how to like be successful in a job interview, like those kinds of skills where it's like, okay, so you've got all the education, you know, we're working you towards, you know, passing the BTNE, but then also that kind of like job placement type of skill. And so I'm curious how, like, I don't, I don't even know if it's a, a like a, program requirement for AVMA colleges, but I'm curious if there's any of that getting ready to go out to the clinic type of education. Don't try not to cut you off because I'm so excited because, um, <laughs> you know, yeah, because I did. I, my, our, our course is very credit heavy. Our program is very credit heavy. It's 94 credit hours to graduate. And that does include a full on professional development course. It does hmm. also include a professional writing course Ooh. and professional communications and they were important to me and also a critical thinking course. Uh, so there's there's uh, three elements that I felt were very important to being a, a fully rounded student and graduate for that exact reason. Because I don't you know, people don't teach us to think critically. People don't think don't. Right. You know, we, we go through writing, but professional writing is a little different. It looks different. It feels different. So so I and then again, we have professional development built into our course where we really will ultimately come out of that course with a, a resume, a realistic resume that makes sense um, with the ability to have an interview, you know, to have a conversation, to do the things that we need to do to be successful and to present ourselves in a way that we are marketable. Because I want my students to graduate realizing that a job is not a gift or like a favor somebody owes you. It is an opportunity mm-hmm. for you and somebody else to find a match together. And you are interviewing a program, a, call, a, a job as much as a job is interviewing you. But when you find that job you really want, you want them to want you to. And so here are like all the ways to, to do that. So yeah, that's a bit, that was a big one for me. Our program is a associates in science. So it's an AS. When I graduated, I graduated with an applied science degree. And there's nothing wrong with that until you try to go get your bachelor's degree. And now there are a lot more programs that are bachelor technician programs. So you can use all of your, your associates applied science degrees. But I had to go do a ton of credits to get my bachelor's. I do have a interdisciplinary bachelor degree, so I was able to to transfer some credits over. But one thing I think we don't maybe necessarily do great for our, for students is set them up for future education in a way that they can go on to higher education if they want to. So um, the associates in science is part of my goals for this program was to make sure they had that complete degree when they got graduate that they can go to a bachelor's of their choice. And so, yeah, those are the things that I've I've built in to help them, I think, graduate as well-rounded professionals ready to enter the workforce and to be to be able to get that job they really want, because those are going to be really competitive jobs. For sure. Thinking back to my time as teaching, 
Uh, I remember we had something like that in the school, but it was more like the school did that, not the tech program did that. You know what I'm saying? That like we had the the career counselor that would like do like mock interviews, but I mean the guy that was doing that, he was not in the veterinary field. And as we probably all know, an interview for a veterinary technician job is not the same as an interview for a surgical assistant or uh you know some other profession. It, it's a very unique thing, and I, I think being able to do that within the program itself Huge. is hugely yeah. beneficial yeah, for yeah, your students. You. Yeah, I do too. And and I think it's important because we are an online program and we miss out on the opportunity to socially interact and engage face to face, where we kind of mold some of that and and can pull them out and have those conversations on a regular basis about that professionalism. So like really having the opportunity to hone it in for them, I think is essential. And, um, and we have an amazing team at Gurnick who have a lot of passion about teaching and these programs are not phone it in programs. In fact, you know, like critical thinking, you know, we really looked at where we were going to put this in the course because it is not a joke. It's not a set it and forget it class. You got a lot of work to do because right. because we know that this is going to be an essential skill no matter where you land. <laughs> Critical thinking is important, you know. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Um, you had mentioned in there, kind of alluded to the difference of an AAS to an AS of, of what this program is and how there was some difficulty or, or how this is more geared towards allowing, you know, for further education. Can you expand on that a little bit? Because I didn't realize, I mean, I I knew AAS and AS were different, but I didn't really realize how that maybe was a different path towards getting a bachelor's or or towards going on in school. It sounds like this might actually be a pretty unique feature of of Gurnick being an AS versus an AAS. Is that right? I see more tech programs with an AS than before, but it's, it's not ubiquitous across the programs. And I think it's something students should pay attention to. Nobody talked to me about it when I started the vet tech program. And it simply just means that your sciences and your maths and those credits that would normally make up the associates in science are very specific to veterinary medicine. And so therefore, you have an applied science degree. And so it's it's almost mm. like a science trade, right? Like in saying uh, okay. it's an associates in applied science. And so because of that, I wasn't eligible to go directly into like a bachelor's of science. And so like when we look at these, like so App State launched this incredibly awesome bachelor program for veterinary technology this year, right? That will be like, oh, well, you your associates in applied science fits perfectly here. All those pre-credits go right into this bachelor's degree. But say, for example, you wanted to like, like Dave, you know, you've got the zoology background, right? Like, so I couldn't go and get my bachelor's in zoology because I have a vet tech degree. I need to go and earn all these other baseline math and sciences to kind of complete that, like the gen ed side of that, because everything else Mm -hmm. is so applied to veterinary medicine. Now, in my interdisciplinary degree, so I have a BIS is my bachelor's is a bachelor's of interdisciplinary studies. So what these do is oftentimes people will go and take these courses. A lot of times you'll see it in public administration, which is my degree, or you'll see it in like nonprofit management where we kind of pick and part, pick and piece out programs and kind of put together a degree. So it's interdisciplinary. It's not like one specific discipline or program that you're enrolled in, right? So they've got some of these at these other colleges. And because of that, I got lucky. They took like 20 of my vet tech specific VET courses, right? But not all of them. And I still had like a year or two Mm -hmm. of work I had to do before I was 
could even really get chipping away at my bachelor specific program because of that. Hmm. It's fine, but it, it you know it was kind of a bummer for me when I went to go find out about getting a higher education and found out I I would kind of be back at square one. I've talked to other people who have found this out this way as well, and they kind of are just like, well, why? No way, no way. I'm not going back to square one. I already did so much work. I want it to be where my students, if they want to right. go into some other discipline, even if it's not veterinary medicine, that they have the baseline to be able to do that. Yeah, for sure. And I think that makes you more marketable too, really. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, because I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't, I didn't realize there was a difference. Yeah, I didn't either until I went to go get my bachelor's. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like an AS is more broad and an AAS is more focused. Yeah. Well, I will say an AS, like when you're looking at, at programs, uh, colleges, like an AS is going to be very general science based, right? Like, so it's, it's going to be your like biology mm-hmm. courses yeah. and your chemistry courses, whereas your AAS right. is very specific based on vet med or EMTs maybe, or I don't know what other programs have them, but it, it's very specific to that base science. So like like we did math for veterinary technicians instead of algebra at the college and got those same math right. credits toward an associate degree, but it was very applied and very specific. Mm-hmm. So like I said, it's almost like a trade. Like, so you've got this like this direct path you're learning on, but it is not as transferable, which a lot of folks don't hmm. know or realize. Right. Right. Well, I mean, you know, when I went through my alternate route program, there was certainly nobody to tell me the difference between that and AVMA accredited school, you know, and, and, and what what doors were going to be open or what doors were going to be closed. Or, or and it's 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 really unfortunate, but that's that's pretty cool that, that it's got that in mind, yeah. that, that especially with more and more bachelor's degrees for veterinary technicians and, and some of these you know even masters that are coming out like that you are laying the groundwork that could, you know, if, if one wanted to continue on to do that that's, you know, a much easier path, it sounds like. Yeah. And like, if you think about higher education, just in the sense of like, okay, so, so I want to teach, you know, you have to have a degree higher than the one that you're out there trying to teach. So you've got to, right. you know, <laughs> you've got to be able to get yeah. that somehow. Right. And so, so even if you decide, Hey, I want to get like my, you know, my ID, the great, you know, but you've got to be able to get that rolling to do it. And it just stinks to be back at square one mm-hmm. when that happens. And, you know, Jeff, you're, what you're talking about, and w- let's just say resources were harder when we went back to school. <laughs> like, we, you couldn't just www.collegeofyourchoice.edu. <laughs> right. You know, we had to, like, call them and wait for an info packet. Mm-hmm. And, like, so people weren't telling you those kinds of things. And you didn't you didn't know what you didn't know. Yeah. So if, right. if, you, if you weren't in the field and knew about the AVMA, like when I went to tech school, I wasn't mm-hmm. working at a practice. I didn't know those things to even look for them. So, right. and, and they weren't right in front of you. So you wouldn't know. Right. Absolutely. Is there anything about Gurnick Academy and the, the program and that you're launching and all that that we haven't touched on that you wanted to take a moment and, and expand on or brag about? Gosh, I could brag about everything about the program. I think that truly what I want to say is I am so proud to be a part of this program and that there are a lot of colleges out there. There's a lot of choices out there. I've done, I'm working on my master's and it's all my secondary education has been online. And I know how hard it is to go to school online. I know how hard it is to invest your time and your money and your trust in people to give you a good education. 
And I think that Guernic Academy, whether you're looking at going to vet tech college or if you want to be a nurse or a medical assistant or a physical therapist or if you want to work in MRI, I'm naming off all our departments as I can think of them. <laughs> you know, um, we and, and we have great medical programs with instructors who really, really care. And I have. I'm not going to lie. I've I've taught in other capacities and they don't always care. They don't always care that much. This group really does. And the administration cares as much as the instructors. And I think that that's incredibly unique is we have an administration that gets what it takes to have a medical program and wants it to be successful in every way. We are really a family. Gurnick was started by a family and they've kept that. And it sounds so cheesy. Like I hear it coming out of my mouth and it sounds so cheesy. But I've I've said a bunch of times, like, I love my job. I love who I work with. I love the interactions that I have. And that that spills over to our students. They're they're well cared about by the entire team. And I just think if you want to have a, an experience and not just an education, Gurnick is definitely the place for you. And, you know, it would be honestly my it would be my pleasure to, to be able to welcome students into our program. So. I'm honored to talk about it. I'm thrilled to be here talking with you guys about it. I feel like I'm with the famous fellas at the cafe. Uh, <laughs> and, and spreading the world mean, words mean, it just means everything to me. So I appreciate that so much. Absolutely. One, one thing, I, just to go back to your curriculum a little bit, and, and I know this is, this is like your baby. Is there one thing that as you were like coming up with that, this idea of like, I want to make my own vet tech program. Is there one thing that you found that wasn't being taught in other schools that you said, I'm going to have this in my program? <gasps> That's such a good question. You know, so I think that I have broke, I, I think that it's not a matter of what's being taught. Although I would argue the professional development courses, the critical thinking, I think yeah. that those are pretty unique to my program. I would also say in addition from the vet tech side of things, we are broken down into we have, you know, an alternate medicine, alternative methods course. We have a behavior course. They're one credit, but they're fully about behavior. So it's not just any one week in a 16 mm. week program. Like we really give it a lot of focus. And so I think we do really flesh out a lot of the topics. I, I feel like for just about every specialty, we have an actual section, maybe not like oncology. So, you know, but we are really we have it broken down to where we really can hone in and focus and learn whether it's anesthesia, behavior, nutrition, but the, but they're broken out. So I think we really get the ability to deep dive into important topics in a way that maybe other programs I don't I don't know get to, and again I think it's partially because I'm a little bit credit heavy. It's not an easy it's not an easy program. They're about um, we're running about 15 credit hours a semester, 16 credit hours a semester, and 94 to graduate. But I think we take a deep dive to where when you graduate and you get out in the field, you're not like oh god we had one conversation about that. You're like okay, I've I've built I've, yeah, I've had yeah, conversations yeah. in the foundations here. Cool. Awesome. Cool. That's great. So as we're as we're kind of wrapping up here, let's let's talk about the Giving Tree. Let's <gasps> let's tag on to this this episode yeah. and talk about the Giving Tree now. Now tell us how it's going. Um, I know November is when you kind of really ramp up, and and you know we're we're almost to that. So so talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So we've been we've been chipping away here in October. Nominations are open. 
Donations are open. Uh, you guys got a little shout out on our podcast we recorded today. I don't know when it's going to air. It'll be, I think, week after next. Oh. Because um, we were talking about Amazon Smile in the Tree. And you guys are big supporters and, and mm-hmm. always chipping in like and saying, yeah. like, hey, this is so easy to do. And that's so meaningful to me. So uh shouted you guys out on that. But we're like, that's what we're doing. We're trying to get the word out that we've got the Amazon Smile that this year is coming. Get the nominations. Liz Houston. Kim Woods both came through with $1,000 donations. We've got a really fun announcement ah. coming with Flourish Veterinary Consulting and Jeff Eisman that, that will be announcing from the top of the Empire State Building in November because we think it's that big. We're going to shout it from the, wow. the top of the Empire State Building. So be, wow. be on the lookout for that. Yeah, That's so um, we're fully ramped up and rolling. The last two years, we made $7,000 each year, and we helped almost 40 families each year. So uh, $14,000, almost 80 families or individuals. Nominations are open. You can nominate yourself. You can nominate somebody else in need. And if you've got a little bit of money to give, that's awesome. If you don't, again, Amazon Smile or just share the word, like just spread the word is is everything for us. Um, We're looking, you know, I don't think the need is getting any less out there. For sure. For sure. For sure. Cool. Yeah. We'll keep sharing your your posts from from your page to our page. Because I feel that's a good that's a good way to get the word yeah, out. Yeah, we really we really appreciate it. It just um, I think about how small this started and how quick it spread, and it's all because of the support <laughs> from folks like you guys. And yeah, I, I really yeah. just sit back and watch in awe because we have the coolest professionals. And, and and again, I mean, like Charlotte Wax, she's been a huge supporter every year. She uh, did a Facebook fundraiser. You can also do those to help. So there's just been some people who. From the second that that seed was planted, we're like, we're here, we're helping. And I'm so grateful to those folks and you guys. It's awesome. Is there a, I don't know if we were asking this question when you were on last year or not. So in case not, we'll ask now, is there a person or topic you would like to see us talk to or highlight in a future episode? I'm sure there is. Um, I do feel like, I do feel like you, you asked me this. It's funny. I'll have to go back and listen to what my, I'm like, I was wondering like what my mental health difference is from a year ago to now. Um, or, you know, what, what I yeah. did differently given COVID. So you guys have come a long way. You've talked to a lot of people. We have. I'm starting to loop back around and have them back on the show. And I also, but I also feel like we're just scratching the surface. Like, you know, every time we ask that question, we get, People obviously we don't know, or I know, you know who topics it is. we hadn't even considered. Quincy Holly, do you know Quincy Holly? Um, he Dave, he's in North Carolina too. He's I don't know that name. Quincy Holly with Get Motivated. He is actually a really nice guy. He's out of North Carolina, and he's sort of an up and coming. And so that's I think why he comes to my my head. He's been up and coming for a couple of years now. You know, I should say he's been around, but he is part of the motion of finding joy in veterinary medicine, finding that happiness in veterinary medicine, and he's just got a really good, positive, upbeat, and message. So he's pretty awesome if you haven't talked to him. And of course, if you've not talked to Josh Weisman with Flourish Veterinary Consulting you are like missing out on life because Josh is one of my favorite humans in the world and he raises bees. So I'll leave you with that because huh. I could talk very to him cool. about his bees yeah. all day. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, I've definitely seen him on LinkedIn. I think we, we probably follow him or connected with him or whatever you do on, on LinkedIn. Somehow, but yeah. We've, we've certainly never been introduced or, or what have you. And I, yeah, I think that would be a, a cool episode too at some point. So Josh, sure. you would love it. He is amazing. I'd be happy to make an introduction if you'd like and Quincy as well. They're both, yeah. um, they're, they're just bright lights in our profession and they continue to be. And Josh is awesome. It, he does a lot of, um, like team building stuff. So 
the two of them together, you know, I think they're fighting the language of depression and burnout. And, and we know that it's all real, but like words matter. <laughs> we got to stop really like focusing and yeah. pounding yeah. the rhetoric of the negative. And these guys are out there like talking about the positive and the fact that we still have an awesome, amazing profession and we can live that. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Well, now it's time for your would you rather question. Are you ready for it? Always. Oh, oh always. Okay. You stay ready. You don't got to get ready. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, which one of these do you like? Um, or Why don't we do what we did with uh, with Liz? Pick a number, one, two, or mm, three. Mm-hmm. Three. Three. All right. Would you rather that science perfects time travel or interstellar travel? Oh, my God. Science. <laughs> What would the world do with either? I'm terrified of both of those options, <laughs> given our current populace. Um, I don't think that our... Well, and that's why it's a hard <gasps> question. I would honestly, mm-hmm. I would go time travel because it, we have managed to piss off our own people. I don't need us interstellarly starting any <laughs> razzmatazz, okay? Um, let's, let's get through 2024 before we make decisions about how far we want to reach our boundaries. Um, no, I do. I think it would be time travel. And that's really actually selfish for me in the sense that um, youth is wasted on the young. And there are some people I would love to be able to go back and have different interactions with and say things to I didn't get to. And that would be a gift beyond, I think, anything I could ever ask for. And and I think that it would do a lot of people some good to go back in time and to see what used to be, uh, to, yep. to see if they yeah. felt okay about what is. So I'm going to throw that out there. <laughs> sure. I'm not going to make you a political podcast or anything. I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> no. We'll just leave it at yeah. that. We'll yeah. leave it at yes, that. Yes, yes. I, mean, I mean, we could have a whole discussion Well, you said let's do what, what we did with Liz, we so back. I figured that meant talk trash about... <laughs> Oh no 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 no! <laughs> no no no! That no. she was like, well, why don't I just pick which one I? That sounds so Liz. So yes, we, we that let her. Sounds... Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. She's like, get out of my so, way! I know what I want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think that's what we're going to do going forward. I it, love it. That yeah. ended up being a great yeah. question and answer. That's I love great. it. It did, yeah. Well, uh, Becky, thank you so much for taking some time out today to talk to us about your venture here with Gurnick. I think that's that program sounds awesome, and I I'm super stoked for for the uh, future technicians that are going to go through that program because it sounds like it's going to meet their needs in a lot of ways um, and not just the the education and and passing the VTNE um, sounds like they're, they're going to be a, a good bit more well-rounded and that's that's really really good to hear so thank you very much for for the time there best of luck with the giving tree as we get through this season I know that's going to probably start if it hasn't already it sounds like even more crazy and busy and and hopefully the donations keep coming in thank you so much for your time and for everything you do for for veterinary technicians we we really appreciate it it is it is 100 my honor truly and i'm looking forward to the day i get to listen to a podcast where they say i went the traditional route graduated from gurnick back in 2024 (laughs) Ah, you'll be having there you go future superstars on yes yes all right well caffeinators you guys take care. Thanks for tuning in again to another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe, and we will see you again soon. Bye, guys. Hello, caffeinators. We wanted to thank Dog Days Consulting for managing our social media and helping with the interior design here at the Vet Tech Cafe. They don't just do social media. They can help you identify your brand through brand coaching. The founder is a CVPM with 15 years experience in veterinary practice management. They are a small business proudly serving the veterinary community, and we are thrilled to be working with them. 
Check them out at www.dogdaysconsulting.com. Hey, caffeinators. We would like to thank you for listening to the Vet Tech Cafe podcast today. As everybody is well aware by now, we often talk about difficult issues that face our profession. In addition, we chat with colleagues and leaders in our field who have strong opinions of these issues. Those opinions expressed by either Dave or Jeff as the hosts, or those opinions expressed by our guests, are their opinions alone and do not represent any other person, business, institution, or any other entity inside or outside of the scope of veterinary medicine. If you have any questions relating to this, please email us at vettechcafe at gmail.com or visit our website, www.vettechcafe.com. Lastly, whatever platform you utilize to hear our dulcet tones, please rate and review our podcast and like and follow our Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn pages as well to see what we're up to. From all of us at the Vet Tech Cafe, have yourself a great day.